In our series, Make the Change, though, I'm endeavoring to kind of lay out a way in which we can experience some, some transformation, some changes in our, our life. And, and that word transformation I just mentioned is a key to this whole thing, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. In fact, what I'm going to present to you today is what I would submit to you as foundational for anybody who wants to make change in their life with God's help. Uh, the way God does change is very different, though, than what we've been conditioned to think about change in our culture to be today. What I mean is, in our culture today, you have been conditioned to think that change is a lot easier than it really is. It's simple, three payments of $29.99, get in the program, buy this for a little bit of time, and everything will radically change. This is the time of year where we are submitted before us every possible gimmick out there to experience some kind of to, some kind of change over the years. We've gotten some real doozies out there, like you know things that that were presented as as products and things to uh, buy into to change. I got one of them up here on the stage. This is uh, uh, something that came out many years ago called the shake weight. <laughs> yeah, you're already laughing because some of you know, and we were told. Uh, that if we buy this weight, all right, now, it's not about how heavy this is. That's not the deal, all right? What you're supposed to do is shake this bad boy and gyrate yourself, and I'm not going to do it because it's offensive. Like I'm, like, I'm not doing it. You're like, I want to see if he does that. I'm not doing it at all. And we were told, and I'm going to tell you what it says right here on the box. Look at this. As seen on TV, it says, you get, it literally says, get real, ripped, rapid results. <laughs> Shake yourself to death and, and who knows what, what happens. And I'm not going to ask anybody who bought this, because I, I don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> some of you, I, I shouldn't even be, some of you bought it and you're embarrassed right now that I'm talking about it. But like we fall prey to these gimmicks, you know, and little quick fixes that we think we'll fix some of these struggles in our lives or weight or muscle, whatever it might be. But God's idea of change is, it's not gimmicky. It's rich and it's powerful and it's real. And one of the ways to understand it is found in Romans chapter 12, verse one. Here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so the first thing here to the brothers and sisters, that's, a, that's the believers, the Christians. Hey, Christians, hey, you want to experience more in life. First marker is you dedicate your life to God, everything about it. Okay, then it goes on and it says this. Do not conform, here it is, to the pattern of this world, but be, it's a key word here, but be, this, this is God's economy of change, be what? Transformed. You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. This text says there's a transformation, that word transformation is critical, I'm going to unpack that in a minute, that causes a renewing of your mind, 
So what God understands, we know today, of course, we understand this science, therapy, all that helps us know this to be real, is that if you are going to have new patterns in your life, there's got to be a renewing of your mind. We say here at our church, every outcome of the way you're living today is born out of your thinking. As you think, so you do. And as you do is what you become. Think, do, become. And so when you allow God to transform the way that you think, you start doing life differently and you start then having different outcomes in life born out of the way that you're thinking. You come to know Jesus Christ, you experience kind of your first new way of thinking and then it doesn't stop. God keeps wanting to bring more and more transformation. That word transformation, though, is, is important for us today to really spend some time on. And I mentioned earlier how important it is. I want to give you uh, sort of the unpacking of that word and what it means. I put in your notes, transformation means, uh, comes from this word metamorphosi or metamorphosis. And uh, I put in your notes, it's a state of changing into another form a total change by the renewal of the mind. What we see in transformation is the word metamorphosis. When you consider metamorphosis, you are thinking of something that changed completely from what it was. It morphed into something else. And in particular, uh, we see this word directly tied to the process of what we might know as the caterpillar and the butterfly. Uh, there, there's a, a morphing, right? When you consider what happens in that, that process. The, the, it starts with the egg and then the egg becomes the caterpillar or the larva. Then the, then the, the caterpillar becomes uh, the chrysalis, you know, and, and the chrysalis, the, the cocoon then becomes, out of the cocoon comes the what? The, the butterfly, right? And it's this kind of four-stage process of one thing and now being something else and now being something completely different. And what God is using in the natural, I, the idea and the understanding of the metamorphosis of the butterfly, he's using that in the natural to point to something in the supernatural. And that is, is this is exactly what God wants to do in the life of the believer. This transformational type of change. It caused me to do a little research on the caterpillar. And... Uh, the caterpillar is, it has about, eight, there's about 18,000 different species of caterpillar. And I don't know if you know this, I didn't know this, but almost 90% of caterpillars do not turn into butterflies. I, I just figured they all did. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're aware, but only 10% of them turn into butterflies. Do you know what the other 90% usually turn into? Moth, very good. Some of you knew that. And that's kind of disappointing, really, because I, 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 I grew up when I would see a caterpillar and I'd be like, oh, it's so cute. It's going to be a butterfly, too, one day. And then to sit there and think, oh, my gosh, you know, it doesn't actually, they don't, some of them just don't make it to be a butterfly. You know, they turn into a moth, and, and I, that's just not as exciting <laughs> as a butterfly. I, then I thought, you know, here's the reminder in the natural to the supernatural. I think there are believers who don't ever become the butterfly. They get stuck in being a moth. 
and, and I want to share why I think that happens a little bit. You know, that if we were to say in the natural, like in the supernatural, God, God wants you to get your wings. You know, in other words, he wants you to experience the most. He, he wants you to experience full transformation after transformation. But I think it's, it, it could be easy to get stuck in something and not experience the full potential of transformation that God has for you as a believer. I, I, I was doing a little research on this, and scientists don't know why exactly the moth becomes the moth and not the butterfly. They can't really pinpoint exactly why that happens, but what we seem to think or what science seems to think is something happens in the cocoon phase that causes, you know, the situation to be a different outcome. And I got to thinking about that, you know, in the natural, in, in, in our lives, personally. I, I think that that plays out for us in, in humanity. The, the cocoon for you and I is that family life that we grew up in that was supposed to be caring and protective. You know, you were supposed to have a mother and a father who invested in you deeply, cared for you, uh, handled your heart properly, pointed you towards a life of God and a life through Jesus Christ and and, and you are to get that growing up, and, and, and then you leave the cocoon of the home, and you're, you're kind of out there, and you're, you're off, and, and you're moving, and, and wow, you know, that, that, that's what God's intention was, but brokenness in the world, and, and messy homes, and your heart gets damaged when you're in that cocoon of your family, and the family splits up, it breaks, there's hurtful things that maybe take place inside that cocoon, and all of a sudden, maybe people are sent out of the home and, and, and maybe there's some things that you're kind of carrying with you that are not as, as helpful to your opportunity and ability to maybe experience the most that God has for you. Some of you can, can relate to some of the brokenness maybe of your home life and I can understand that. But I want to say to you today, this morning, is that you and I, we serve a God that is still capable of bringing transformation into your life. You are not bound by your past. You're not bound by what happened in your family. You're not bound by the things that people did to you. You may be stuck and feeling like you're kind of a moth right now. And I know that doesn't feel really great, but God can still give you your color. He can still give you your wings. You have to seek him for transformation and it can happen. And that's what I want to share with you today about the possibilities of what that transformation can actually be. God is in the transformational business. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth, die on the cross for your sin and for humanity so that you, can, you and I would just be, go from good to gooder. Would you just try, Jesus Christ did not come so that we could just not be, don't be, don't be a bad person. You know, be a goody, goody two-shoe. And, and make a couple little changes in everything, you know, as long as you're better than the other person. Jesus did not come for that. He came for a transformative life. And that transformative life is available consistently over and over for those who dig in to their faith. I, I put this in your notes, and I want to give you really what I would say is three foundational transformational pieces that you should be paying attention to as we kick off this series and continue further next week going down the road. Uh, these, I think, will be helpful as we get moving 
I put this in your notes. If you want to seek this transformational metamorphosis type change in your life, the first thing is you've got to seek God for your next. Seek God for your next. Um, uh, this cannot be about, again, the quick fix. This cannot be about, you know, again, the, the self-help kind of thing. This has to be, whatever your next is, it has to be about seeking God first for it. And this is a challenge for us, you know, in a culture where we are taught that it's kind of all about me. To be able to say, God, I'm making this all about you and the process. God, you are in the lead. You are going to bring what is real transformation. It has to be about seeking God. What is your, your next? You're here today. You've been a believer for 30 or 40 years. You have a next. We don't just transform one time when we come to know Jesus Christ and become a new believer. There's a continual journey of transformation through the renewing of our mind. You're not done. What's your next? That's why this series works, whether you're new to the faith or a longtime believer. You have a next. And you say to God, God, you're going to be the author. You're going to be in charge. You're going to lead the way. I put in your notes, change by itself without God. That's just work. Change with God is transformational. Change without God is just fixing things that are broken from your past. And God is interested in helping you with things of your past, but when you decide to let God lead, he's going to deal with your past, he's going to deal with your present, he's going to deal with your future. It's a full-on, inside-out, transformational thing, past, present, and future. God says, I've got a step for everybody. We're going, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. We looked at this a few weeks ago. I'm going to bring it back up. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and being transformed to his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is in the spirit. Another translation says we go from, from glory to glory. Here's the point, is that this is the reminder that there's a transformation process of the believer that continues on going from one glory to the next. So what I do is I, I experience God, and, and I, I said yes to Jesus Christ. I said, God, you're first. He forgave me of my sin. I experienced his glory in that moment. But then I can continue to seek God and his presence and his leadership in my life, and he continues to do a working in my mind, and he reveals things to me about my life and changes that I can make, and that work and that process continues. I seek his glory. He reveals himself to me. Change begins to happen, and then I want more of his glory. I'll never become Jesus. I'm not going to be perfect on this side of eternity. It's not going to happen but I can become more and more like him by allowing him to continue to move me from one phase to the next, to the next of transformation. You seek God and he reveals himself. Moses had a moment where he was doubting himself, wondering about the future. Where is all of this heading? God, can you show yourself to me to take me to my next? And it says this in Exodus 33:18. 18. Then Moses said, God, now show me your glory. 
God says, all right, you're crying out to me and you want to know that my glory is real and you want to seek my face and, and know that I can take you to your next. And he had Moses in this cleft of a rock and, and, in, and in Exodus 34, it says that God revealed himself to Moses while he was in the cleft of a rock. It says this, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. He's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to the thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. God says, hey, Moses, you cried out to me, and I'm here, and I'm giving you a glimmer as I pass by through the cleft of the rock. You'll see that I am here and ready to lead you to what is next, and I share that with you today to say this, that some of you are in the cleft of a rock, and you're between a rock and a hard place, and you're in a stuck position, and you're looking for a glimmer, and I can tell you there's a glimmer because you're here today and you're breathing air in your lungs. And God has a design and a plan for you. And if you will seek him through the glimmer of the cleft and the rock, his presence will be revealed to you so that you might know that he is still available to guide and lead you into transformation. He's available, but you have to seek him. And I mentioned this before. This is a challenge for humanity in our culture today because it is all about me. And we make it about me. And so many times... We enter the marriage and we, we make it about me. And we go to work and we make it about me. And we make our money life about me. And it just all revolves around ourselves. And this is why transformation will be hard for some of you because you have to get outside of that now and you have to say, no, 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 God, I'm gonna make this all about you. And here's the thing, this is the crazy thing. When you decide... <laughs> this is how God works. He's so amazing. When you decide to make everything about him, you know what he does in return? He starts making everything about you. It's, it's really cool. Let me explain. We're in Christmas to Easter right now. We just came out of Christmas, and we're just a few months from Easter. It is the most hyper-spiritual, sensitive time in our culture where we, we come out of the birth of Jesus, and we're moving towards you know what we see as the, the reminder of the the death of Jesus Christ is resurrection from the cross and ascension into heaven. We were in that kind of phase of super spirituality time. And what happens when we consider like just Christmas, we, we just came out of Christmas, people will say, Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, here's the reality, folks. You are the reason for the season. I mentioned this at Christmas. For God so loved the world for God so loved Gary that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, for me. It's about what God wants to do for me. It's about what God wants to do for you. He went to the cross for you. He wants to show you a life that he wants to reveal to you how he can bless your marriage and bless your life and bless your career and bless your finances. And so he has a lot that he wants you to experience from him. There are 400 promises in the scriptures that God has reserved for those who want to seek him and find him, but it is reserved for those who put him first. And then he brings back towards you. God's all about you, but he becomes all about you when you make it all about him. And so that's our first step in this journey, God. We want to go to our next God, with you fully at the helm, here's the second thing. You've got to decide to get out of your box. 
And I think this is a challenge, again, just like putting God first is for a lot of you, uh, getting out of your box. And we are so boxed up in a mentality and everything that we're doing. You know, this world, you know, puts us in a box and says, this is you, this is how you operate. And, and we bring that into every area of our life. And of course, God is the God of expansion. He's the God that knocks down the walls of the box. He's the, he's the guy that gives no walls living. He's the one that expands everything in, in our life. But this world we're in puts us in a box. I don't think you may understand exactly how much we get put in a box in the way that we're living our life. Maybe you're like me, uh, you, like most of us in this room. Uh, we were born in a hospital. And... We get to the hospital, we come, we're there at the hospital and they put us, as soon as we're born, they, they put us in a little plexiglass box for everybody to view us. And then your parents take you home and they stick you in a box with a handle on it and carry you out the door. And they put your box with the handle on it in your car box that has wheels. And then you go home to your house box and there they've got something prepared for you. It's a bed box. And you go get laid down in your bed box. Isn't it interesting that we spend the first couple of years of our life behind bars? <laughs> we thought about that in a box behind bars. We try to climb out. They put us back in. It's time to eat. They take you to the table box. Then you go eat out of the ice box. You go to school, finally it's time to go to school, and they put you at a desk box all day. And then you take out your lunch box to eat. You get educated in the education system box, and if you do well enough in the education system box, you'll have enough money to get your own box on wheels. And then maybe your own house one day, and you'll acquire enough junk to put in boxes in your house box and store it there. And you get to the end of your life, and you die, and they wrap you up and they put you in a, a box. I don't know if you realize like how confined this world keeps you and I in some of the things that we go through in our lives. And this permeates so much of the way that we think. You know, we're talking about renewing and transforming the way that we think, but we don't come to terms sometimes with some of the preconceived notions that are there just defining us all the time for some of you, you raised, you were raised in the poor, the poor box. Some of you are in the money, money, money box. Some of you are in that white box, black box, ethnicity box, the nationality box, and you're defined by it and you're confined by it. And God's trying to take all that down and say, I want to show you so much more. You got to be willing to let God say, okay, God, what are some of the things that have been ingrained in me that aren't of you? In art of the expansion of you, Here, here's a, a place where we often take that, take that kind of our own box mentality into a life situation and it plays out very unhealthy for us. It's marriage. We, we grew up in a home where, you know, there was a marriage, maybe, and that marriage had certain things that went on. And some of it may be good, some of it not good, but we learned things, you know, in that in that marriage setting, we've heard from people in the world talk about marriage, media, whatever it is, and we went into our own marriage with our own kind of preconceived box about what marriage is. And he enters in the marriage with his box, and she's got kind of this is my box mentality about everything that I think about marriage, and we try to somehow mash up this kind of 
boxed mentality thinking and to try to make a, a good marriage. And, and oftentimes, you know, it struggles because we're so confined by our past and our history and the things that we bring to the table. God says, hold on now, my, my idea of marriage is so beyond that. Like it's so much more fresh and real and expansive. Like, first of all, I've designed a covenant, not a contract that most people operate in today when it comes to marriage. And it's a covenant that's powerful and it's agape. It's unconditional, very, un, very unconditional love towards one another. It's where we decide to honor and serve one another along the way. In fact, God's idea of marriage is really this. It's two funerals and one resurrection. I'm dying of my old self and everything I did think marriage and life was. And I, I let it go and I say, God, you're revealing something new. God says, yeah, that new thing, I'm making a new bloodline, her bloodline, his bloodline, combined to make a new one. That new one is gonna be way more powerful than what you would have been on your own. And as she seeks God and he seeks God and we seek God together, he expands what he can do in a marriage. And very few people have this because they're not operating like that. They're not allowing that get-out-of-the-box expansion mentality to take, to take hold. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are greater than yours. I made you. I designed you. So seek me because I made you. And what you'll discover is what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind can conceive, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God says, baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet. If you'll seek him. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of expansion. Some of you are right now caught up in what I might say is caterpillar thinking. And you, you became a, a caterpillar. And it's been good, you know, because caterpillars have 16 legs. And that's pretty cool. But you've gotten used to your... Your 16 legs. And, and, and what I might say to you is those 16 legs are your 16 ways of thinking. And you may need to now, in order to experience what's next for you, be willing to get rid of your 16 legs of thinking and say, God, I'm, I'm ready. I don't want to sink into familiarity. I want to know what's next for me on the journey. God, reveal to me what's next. I put this in your notes. Uh, anytime you sink into familiarity, it breeds indifference. Familiarity breeds, it breeds indifference. It causes us to fall into stagnancy. And you know what? We're just familiar with each other. We're, I'm just familiar with my surroundings. And I'm, not as, I'm a little indifferent about it than maybe I used to be. And then indifference breeds contempt. And we start looking at relationships. We start looking at uh, situations where, where we're contempt or mad about it. And, and it's just all this kind of stuck mentality. We get numb to life. God wants to take us out of that numbness and advance us through transformation. We're seeking him. We're getting out of the boxed mentality. Number three in your notes, this is important. We've got to decide to get your me with the right we. Get your me with the right we. We're talking about digging into transformation and making sure that I've got people around me. We talk about this at our church regularly, right people, right place, right time. Making sure that I got people around me that are wanting that God journey for me to play out. Let me ask you right now. 
Do the closest people that you have to you in your have around you in your life right now, do they want you to go right now from glory to glory to glory with God? Do they or do they not? And if they do, you got some good, right people around you. If they don't, you need to pay attention. From glory to glory to glory, do I have people that support that? God, I want to experience that change, that change that you have for me, but the people around us, they can't make us change. The people can't. But they can help support the God-given change that we're seeking. I put this in your notes. You know, we all came from a family of origin. Your family of origin that you were born into may or may not have given you a healthy view of your self-worth. However, a great family of choice can help remind you that your value on earth is given to you by, by God. We didn't get to choose our family of origin. But through the body of believers, you get something, access to something amazing. The Bible calls us a family. And in the family, you can connect with people who are on that journey with you. And the advantage of being a part of a large church like this is we've got all kinds of different flavors of people who have on all different backgrounds and tracks and where they're headed in life. And you can connect with more and more people that kind of fit kind of that journey that you're seeking in your life to help you support, help support you along the way. We're talking about paying attention to your tribe. I put this in your notes. Understanding your net worth is helped when you have a good network. Who's your network? Tribes of people moving together to make a difference in each other's lives. Of course, a tribe of people moving together who are experiencing more and more of God also become reflective to the community around them who say, I want whatever that tribe has. God's given us, you and I, the opportunity to find people who match our gifts, our journey, our talents, our abilities, where we're headed, what our past looks like, match us together and journey together. And so what I put in your notes, what you got to do in 2024, I realize I'm preaching to the choir. For some of you, you've already got this figured out, but others of you have not. You've got to decide your tribe. Dig into a tribe. A tribe of people that want to go from glory to glory. And in the church realm, I'm talking about plugging into a church. I'm talking about, as the Bible says, being engrafted into the church. You know what engrafting skin is, right? Taking it from one place and it goes into the other and it just melds into the skin. God says, I want, I want people who want to meld into the skin of the church. Get richly grown in and connected to and it doesn't happen in part-time attendance. And it doesn't happen with just here today, gone tomorrow, fart in the wind attendance. It doesn't happen with church hopping. It happens when you submit to the Holy Spirit of God and the tribe that God has given you and opportunities in front of you in your local church and you just plug in and you honor him in that gift that he's given you in the tribe and say, God, I'm ready to be connected to this group Richly, I'm committed to a tribe. We have a tribe here at New Walk, and we're fighting for things for our community, and we actually want to tell you all about our tribe and what we're trying to accomplish. We're having a gathering, actually, in just a little bit in the cafe. Uh, we'll have lunch. We'll have child care. It's called New Steps 101. 
And what we're going to do there is just share about our church. I'll be there. Uh, we will explain some of the fundamentals of the faith. It actually builds to a 201 that happens later in the year and 301 and 401 where you can grow in things about our faith. You can decide you want to really dig into your faith and get disciple a little bit further. And so we have that as we go. But you're welcome to join us today in the cafe. Uh, you, again, you can just hang out, have lunch with us and, and get started. And we will all be together as a part of New Steps 101. You don't have to sign up, just show up, join me over there in just a little bit and hear more about our tribe. And the last thing I put in your notes is you're making sure when you're around the right we that they know what matters most in life. Successful tribes, successful groups of people roll together in a healthy fashion when they know what the values they have that matter most. They know it. And they're on that common value system together. Like they share it. And when you are surrounding yourself with people with shared values, there, again, there's a commonality, a rich connection there. Here's the problem. I could pull a lot of people out of this room today and say, tell me the things that you value the most in life, especially connected to the spiritual side of things. List them out. Give me five or six right now. Ready, set, go. And most people can't. And so then what happens is the people you let gravitate towards you in your life are naturally others that have no value system because you don't. And you're just kind of in a free-for-all of who's coming in and out of your life. But when you establish a value system for your life, it begins to set the boundaries of who you allow into your tribe. The Baldus family, the family that I led in my home, my girls have grown up now, but, but in our home, we had values and, and they understood the values and, and they were established. And so when people would try to get near us that maybe didn't have those values, it kind of did, kind of, uh, kind of reflected off a little bit, you know, we bounced off a little bit. But, but when we connected with people who had similar values, we kind of brought them in a little bit more because we were, uh, had similar values and that was a tribe we wanted to, to roll with. Uh, does your family have values that are important. Like you establish them with God's leading and then you invite people in that match those values. And some of you need to establish that for your life, for your home. We have people we can connect you with through our group system. You know, we say at our church, there's, a, there's two parts of our church. There's weekend worship. You're here for that. Congratulations. You got half of our church. Nice job. The other half happens through groups throughout the week. Dozens and dozens and dozens of groups meeting in homes and different places and maybe just 10, 15 people gathered together doing a little Bible study where you, you can enter the group and you don't know anything about it. It's fine. Or you can know a lot and share and just kind of learn and grow together and connect in relationships together. And we do this throughout the year. And we're in the middle of group signups right now. We're forming new groups. So it's open to everybody. I hope you'll decide before you leave today, before the day ends, to plug into a group. You can see the groups at our info desk on the way out on the left-hand side of the hallway. There's a long desk there. And they got catalogs, and, and they can give you a catalog, a hard catalog that you can look and see the men's groups, women's groups, co-ed's groups, topical groups, things like that, different nights of the week. You can look at by night of the week, and you can see all of them. They're available to you at the info desk on the way out. Also on our website, they're all there on the groups link. On our app, we have an app. You, you can see it on the groups. You can register online through the groups link and, and pick your group. 
they're gonna fill up, they're gonna be full very soon, get plugged into a group and make sure that you're a part of the other half of our church where we connect with our tribe more richly and more deeply. Isaiah 43 and verse 18 says, hey, it's time to forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past for I am about to do something new and transformative for you. See, if I've already begun, don't you see it? Like I'm ready to do a new work in you. God says, I'm gonna make a pathway for you through the wilderness. I'm gonna create rivers in the dry wasteland. You're in the wilderness. You're in a dark place. You're bumping around. God says, I'm making a path for you out. You're in a dry and barren land right now. God says, I'm gonna give you the water to quench the thirst of your soul and take you out. I'm bringing transformation to your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is new in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. The first step of transformation, but it doesn't stop there. We continue to allow the renewing and the transformation of our mind. There's so much more in store. But if you want to experience real change, it happens through God's economy of change transformation. Let's pray together. Lord, right now you're revealing to somebody in this room that uh, is maybe a longtime believer that they've been they've been resting easy in the caterpillar phase for quite a while. God, maybe you're revealing now or this week what their next is. God, they're taking steps to continue to grow, the renewing of their mind transforming maybe an area of their life that's not of God, maybe a, a part of their life they've been holding back on, maybe a, a, a next step in obedience, God, revealing like, hey, there's a, a next step of transformation. Others are new to the faith and you experience the first transformation of your old self to the new. God says, now I've got more in store. Would you keep seeking me just as you did on the day of your, your conversion to the faith? Now continue to seek me as I renew your mind, there's others. We got a large crowd here right now. And there are people in this room. You've not experienced the first transformation. A transformation that's been happening for 2,000 years to billions and squillions of people all over the planet who have come to know a new creation that God had in store for them through the gift of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of their sin. They were connected to God and they began a new journey in life. And God has that awaiting, that first transformation for everybody in this room to begin today. God says, I wanna show you a new life, but it happens when you get to know your heavenly father. But you cannot get to know your heavenly father until your sin has been forgiven. And you can receive that forgiveness through the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross today and let God just begin to wash away your sin right now. God, I accept the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sin, my choices, my mistakes. I'm ready, God, to journey with you. Wash me clean. Show me a new life, a new birth, a new spiritual birth so that I can encounter what you have new for me on this journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen.